We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message. They will get back to you at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And you can also check out their website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button. You can also check out all archived shows as well. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you. Morning. Good morning, Scott. Uh, Going to talk about target date funds. Now, is this dating or? Well, kind of a in a way. Segment? It depends on what you mean by dating. <laughs> and this type of dating is putting a date to your retirement. Oh. Okay. So let's say you are 50 mm-hmm. and I'm going to retire in 25 years, make right. it 65. Mm-hmm. So what you would do is you'd add 65 to today's date. Uh, sorry, 25 to today's day, which would make it 19, eight, uh, 2032. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm dating myself here. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> anyway, 2032. So what they'd do is they would have a fund called 2030 and 2035. And because you're closer to the date of 2030, you would take that fund. Right. And what these are, these are very, very common in company plans. And so what they do is they look at, okay, if you're going to retire in 25 years, how should you you invest your money? Mm-hmm. And they will compose, say, 15 different mutual funds. Sometimes they're exchange-traded funds, but most, most of the time they're, they're mutual funds. And they'll create a portfolio of, say, 15 funds. And it's not a bad way to go because, quite frankly, most of the cl- people out there in these employee plans, they don't really know what to pick. Yeah. And if they're not working with a financial planner, it's certainly better than throwing a couple darts at a few funds and hope you got the right ones. And never mind the fact that do you have the right funds five years from now? And and what should I should I change them? And I know with Andy and I we we take a look at the you know the overall client situation, not only what investments they have with us, but we look at what they have with the company, mm. and then say okay, let's create a portfolio based around everything, not just right. you know personal investments versus the money inside the plan. So I'm not dissing these um, from a standpoint that they certainly serve a purpose. They're not a huge part of the industry. Mm-hmm. They they comprise about two percent of the industry. But I would recommend them for a lot. In fact, uh, DeFasco right now, or ArcelorMittal, they are going through Sun Life and they have their own version of these target date funds. So I've been seeing a few people there recently. And so what investments should I go? And you know, if you're in the border in that 2032, you could say, well, if I pick the 2035 fund versus the 2030 fund, because they don't have one every year, they have it every, every five years. Mm-hmm. The 2035 fund would be more aggressive. And maybe I want to have a bit more equities in my right. portfolio. Um, in fact, probably uh, the conversation I'm having with most of my clients is they probably tend to be more on the conservative side anyway. Mm-hmm. So they err on the safety. Mm-hmm. So even though you're going to retire in, say, 2032, you might take the 2042 or 40 or 45 funds. Right. Okay. Because that would make them more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Now, the cool thing about these is as you get older, they automatically, every five years, change the risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. So they make the changes for you. So as you get older, they add more fixed income, mm-hmm. um, kind of your safety net, and less equities. And they'll do that automatically throughout you know, the years as you're getting close to retirement. So it's kind of the idea between this is set it and forget it yeah. and next wait thing, for the date and wait for the retirement date. That's it. So that's the simplicity of these, which... 
isn't too bad for, again, the, the bulk of people, particularly ones not working with financial planners mm. because they don't have somebody to bounce an idea from. And quite frankly, if you call Sun Life or any of the in other insurance companies, they don't know you, your personal situation at all. Mm-hmm. They're looking at the yeah. macro, yeah. not the micro situation. And so therefore, based on having no advice, this is kind of like an automated advice channel, if you will. Okay. And that year, it approaches faster than you think it does. Yeah. Remember well, when we first great. started working and you saw the date that you were going to retire? You think, oh my goodness, that's 100 years away. Yeah. I'll be dead. Now, <laughs> exactly. Now it's like, oh, that's not far away, is it? I, I just, I'm curious on these target funds, and I'm, I've seen them in many uh, group RSP plans mm-hmm. and group pension plan options. And uh, um, I haven't actually seen what does that portfolio look like, say five years before retirement or in the year before retirement? Are they literally down to, you know, only 20% stocks or 10% stocks? How conservative can they go? Mm. And that's, that's always been my concern. I'm not, you know, I, I've, I've had clients using them, uh, uh, more so for specific spending purposes, mm-hmm. you know, like we want to spend money in the next 10 years. What should we have as an investment? But, um, you know, so many people today, in fact, this week I was meeting with a couple in their in their mid-70s, and their portfolio is still 60% stock. So it's still aggressive. It's moderate. Yeah, yeah that would be It's moderate. moderate. More aggressive than it should be, I guess, was my point. Well, not that it should be, mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's uh, tailored to their situation. Right. Um, they have pensions, et cetera. They don't, they're not relying on this capital to... Right. Um, you know, they don't, they are taking income from their riffs, et cetera, but they expect to live another 20 years and in turn, and one of them at least. And Mm -hmm. so from a time horizon, it's still a long way out. And there's really the only, the only rationale to limiting their risk profile, making it lower, um, is if, you know, they would certainly reduce the size of their estate in the future. Um, or if they simply were very, very conservative and didn't want to be, you know, mm-hmm. in that type of investment. So I'm, I'm always kind of cautious because even I think about somebody that retires, their regular pension plan is still going to be likely 60% stocks and yeah. 40% uh, bonds. That's mm-hmm. how a pension plan would run. So why would I want my retirement money to be, you know, at mm-hmm. 20% equities, I'm sacrificing potential return. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately that money, when they retire, now they have to make a decision about it. Right. And what do I do next? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's a nice thing. You can pick a different retirement date. They're not, uh, there's, right. no, there's right. no retirement police saying, hey, you didn't, you're <clears throat> retiring in uh, 2032 and you put here 2052. I'm married to the retirement police. What are you talking about? <laughs> Good retirement you just, plan. You just settle down there, boy. You'll be working for a while. <laughs> so exactly. So they basically are just giving you a, a rule of thumb. But to your point, Andy, how risky or safe are they as you get really close to retirement? They don't make changes year by year. Yeah, so right, they're in right. five-year increments, for first of all. And secondly, they, they might go 50-50. Okay, they never go 80 20. Right, right, right. Okay. Right. In fact, this is kind of an interesting situation. I, I looked at three different ones and let's say you, you're already retired and you can carry these on through retirement, but this is where I'm not a big fan of them. I think they're okay to get you to retirement, mm-hmm. but I'm not a big fan of once you are retired. Right. And I'll show you why here. So Vanguard offers them as an example. There's a mutual fund company. And if you are retired at 65 and you would have this for the rest of your life, you would be 70% bonds, 30% equities, Mm. okay? On the other hand, Fidelity, a different company, is 75% bonds, 25% equities. 
And then a different company, BlackRock, is 65% bonds, 35% equities. So depending which company you go with, it can vary drastically. So in a case of somebody getting to retirement, it might get to about 50-50, maybe even 60-40 uh, bonds, but they vary per company too. Um, but this is where, not, you know, this, these are worked on averages. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, the average family is two and a half kids. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, who's average? Okay. Yeah. Everybody's got a different situation. You put Every one hand in a bucket of cold water and <laughs> one one hand in a bucket of boiling water. On average, you're about right. Yeah, lukewarm. <laughs> yeah, lukewarm, not bad. And and that's basically it. So, and the other part about it is retirement is an, can be an awfully long time. Mm. Um, I, I, unfortunately, a client of mine passed away. Not as long as working, though. Well, this is the interesting <laughs> maybe, part. Maybe yeah, not. I know this it's changed, part, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. This uh, this individual worked at Tefasco for 36 years. Wow. He just retired two weeks ago, mm -hmm. and he was retired for 33 years. Good for him. So, you know, three more years, he would have been retired as long yeah. as he was working. Yeah. So the retirement timeline is getting is stretching out. And to have 70% in bonds, when your retirement yeah. is gonna be 30 years potentially, yeah. That is a lot of risk. That's longevity risk. Mm -hmm. And you're not protecting yourself against inflation, mm -hmm. which is the biggest one. So you're going to really reduce your returns by having 70% in fixed income. Fixed income currently is, say, earning 2%. Equities might be earning 8 So if the, high, the further you go towards a fixed in income, obviously the worse your returns are, the, the less the volatility. Mm -hmm. But if it's 30 years, it's not that much volatility if you look in big picture numbers. But if you look year by year, yeah, there's less volatility if you have a lot more fixed income. Mm -hmm. But if you look at five-year increments or 10-year increments, there isn't as nearly as much volatility in the equities. Right. And especially if you look at a 30-year picture, you say, why? Why wouldn't I be, you know, the opposite? You know, 30, 35% in fixed income and 65% equities. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to live to 93, I better be have more equities. Yeah. Nobody knows the end date, okay? Mm -hmm. But this is what makes it difficult and this is where a financial planner sh should come in and kind of look at your picture and say okay this is the kind of portfolio as andy has done in his client how much you should have in your portfolio now the other side is let's look at the bigger picture of not just one person's investments this is just one of the spouses mm -hmm. what about the other spouse yeah you know what if uh, he or she has a a defined benefit plan mm -hmm. she, she you know let's say let's say it was the the wife in this example let's say she was a teacher or a police officer mm -hmm. and and she's uh got this forty thousand year guaranteed pension for life well that's like a big gic yeah why would we want to have 70 percent bonds in in the husband's in this case in his rsps right. for the rest of his life right she's already got 100 percent fixed right. income so it'd be higher risk go higher risk yeah. on his side right so you mm -hmm. have to be able to co um customize this and one of my biggest issues with these after you retire again i'm i'm a bit of a fan with them for the average person starting out you know you're 20 years old they're not a bad thing 30 years old still a pretty good thing 40 years old you might want to start talking to a financial planner for sure okay if not earlier but yeah. at least you're in the plan and you've got them fairly aggressive but the biggest thing is there's a big difference between a 65 year old retiree and an 85 year old retiree like young retirees, they're still out at Whistler skiing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are driving the um, you know the RV yeah. all over the place. They're traveling the world. Eighty-five year olds. Different. Yeah. Totally different case. Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, they're downsizing. They might be looking assisted living. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to preserve the capital. Their, long, their, their timeline is a lot less. So therefore, you say, okay, if I want to retire or, or you're actually looking more estate planning for an 85-year-old, if I'm looking at death. I want to preserve what I have. I, can't, I don't want to lose 20% in a market correction just before I die. But a 65-year-old, he says, boy, I don't want to run out of money. Yeah. I have to invest my money properly so I never have to worry about running out of money. And very different goals and very different kind of lifestyles. So it isn't a one-size-fits-all when it comes to retirement. It, if, you're, if you're sitting there and you have these choices between picking your own funds and you're just starting work and you're in your 20s, 30s, or even, even in your 40s, I would definitely look at these. Okay, And probably I'd even pick a retirement date greater than if I was 65 years old. I'd, I'd prolong it and therefore I'd be a bit more aggressive. When should you get a financial planner? Uh, in a perfect world, it's kind of interesting you ask that question. I, am I was around 30. Yeah, 30 is good. Um, late 20s, 30s. Yeah. You know, and you I mean, s- you can always start earlier. <coughs> I mean, you get started, you know, as soon as you start earning a living, really. Absolutely. Yeah. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister <laughs> and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message, 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can check out the website, Andy and Don, all one word, andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there. You can even ask a question via the listener inquiry button. And of course, you can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. All right, how do we ease or shove uh, the little ones out of the nest? <laughs> Easing is a, is a nice term, isn't it? We want now, to ease them out now is this you know on the assumption that they will circle around and come back those or? are boomerangers you're talking <laughs> yeah. about boomerangers <laughs> All uh, part of the discussion. i, I know it's true you know, um downsizing a house is a pretty good way actually yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. that's a good strategy. i didn't write that no, down I, Darn. okay i'm gonna so, have that to sorry later. son the room's gone <laughs> my, my buddy's parents we're in uh, a bachelor apartment now <laughs> exactly you're welcome to the couch <laughs> exactly yeah. my buddy's parents so while he was in last year university I uh, moved from their family home mm-hmm. to an apartment. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't tell them? <laughs> they didn't tell them? Oh, yeah. The, well, but basically yeah. said there's no place for you to come back. <laughs> yeah, by the way, when you're finished school, <laughs> yeah. you're on well, your That's own. like a buddy of mine. And I, yeah. I've said to him, it must be nice for you because they're all out now. And he, he's, no, 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 no. Is yeah. They're all far enough apart. As soon as the last one get out, got out, then the first one was circling back and came in. Yeah. Sure. So he didn't get a chance yeah. to yeah. downsize per se. Well, and, and the what's what's fascinating to me about that is that, I mean, parents are going through stress. The, the stress, of course, from a parent's perspective is we all want our kids to be successful. Mm-hmm. And so getting established, getting their career, getting, you know, maybe a home or whatever it is, and we want them to be established. We want them to be successful. Uh, but at the same time, you know, what's what, what's happening is, is that our kids are also creating financial challenges for, oursel- for mm-hmm. ourselves as, as parents, as retirees. If you've got even in adulthood, <laughs> yeah. If you've got children that have boomeranged or are back under your under your umbrella, under your roof, then that adds stress to your financial situation too. Mm-hmm. There was a there's a point at which you thought you had to stop. You know, they were off the payroll. In other words, yeah. you know, you didn't need to help them anymore, and you're not usually factoring that in when it comes to your retirement plan. So, so some of the strategies, I guess, in terms of helping ease them out, and we'll work through a couple of these. But Stats Canada tells us 
that 42% of young adults between the age of 20 and 29 live with their parents. 42%. Wow. And now I can see 20, like usually if someone's doing a university program or a college yeah. program from age 18 to 22, if it's a four year program, they're going to be coming home during the summer. They're going to be coming home, you know, at various times. They're still there. They're still there. Yeah. Right. So 20 is kind of, but 22, once you get into sort of the late 20s, then it becomes a little more problematic. Uh, and you begin to stress a little more about it too. So that's the tug and pull that parents have is on the one hand, wanting to them to be independent and, and successful. On the other hand, um, wanting to continue to support them and get them on their way, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where we had to strike a balance. But the, the issue is that we know that's a significant increase from 30 years ago um, when only 25% of adults were uh, at home. And then boomerang kids uh, coming back after they've left the home, that represents another 25% of young adults as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's happening a lot. Um, you know, and why are, they, why are the kids doing it? They're choosing to live with their mom and dad in many cases because they want to establish their career. They're looking to uh, save to maybe create a down payment. Maybe they're looking to be able to accumulate money to pay off debts or student loans, et cetera. Full fridge. Um, <laughs> full fridge. Full fridge. <laughs> Lots of space, (laughs) all of those things. Um, So one of the things we can do, and you were asking, you know, when should someone meet a financial planner or talk to a financial planner? Well, as a parent, um, once that first job kicks in and establishing a savings pattern Mm -hmm. for your children is so critical. Even if it's anything, um, I was talking to a friend of mine's daughter who's 24 and she has her first job and and just, you know, not she wanted to listen to her dad, but what do you think, you know, Mm -hmm. what should I be doing? And I said, well, at a bare minimum, every pay, you got to start putting away 50 bucks. And mm-hmm. it may not sound like a lot, but if you can do more, great, but you commit to $50 automatically every single pay. Yeah. And that's for the long term. Yeah. You're never going to touch that money. And, oh, okay. But, but establishing that pattern of savings is key. Um, contributing to a TFSA, contributing to an RRSP, establishing those good fiscal habits before they leave home is so important. Let me ask this. Uh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying and agree wholeheartedly that as soon as you start working, you should get into that habit of saving something long-term yeah. that you can't touch. Yeah. But how do they balance or decipher between that money that's over there and that's in the where it's in a prepaid thing or yes. whatever, as opposed to, well, I need a fund for a car. I know. Or I need, need a fund eventually for a house I or know. just to go on a vacation. I can't dip into this now, can I, Uncle Andy? Exactly. Well, that's and that's the key thing, right, is you want to establish separate accounts yeah. and automate them so that that account – Perfect example might be have that that fifty dollar per pay tax free savings account. Have that statement come to your home address, to the mm-hmm. parents' mom and dad's address. They never see the statement. Yeah, they know they have it, but how much is in that? I don't know. But uh, and then their regular savings that they want to do for their car, mm-hmm. for their they can control that. Right, right. They can have control of that. Out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. It's almost mm-hmm. like Canada Pension Plan, yeah, right? You give yeah. the money, it's gone, and then later on, oh, all of a sudden a check arrives when you when you retire. Demand- and he say, though, I thought I only had to save once. Now I have to save several times. That's not right. 
Why can't I just pull it all out of the same pile of sugar? <laughs> no, no, they're separate piles for sure. Um, so pl- that's what I call planning for it strategy, making sure you're creating a strategy, uh, understanding what it means to have a savings plan, fiscal habits, etc. And we tend to know in our children which ones are better savers, which ones are better with their money, and which ones tend to like kind of live it, live high, and they don't want to. They're not a, a natural saver; they're more a natural spender. Mm. Uh, I don't number know which, two, I don't know what parent they get that from. (laughs) (laughs) My wife blames that on my side of the family. I don't know. know Setting out a a move out deadline. So now you've, you, your child is established, they're living at home, they have a job and you you're trying to decide and set a move out deadline. So an example could be a time deadline. So a time deadline might be a three month, a six month, a one year, or you can have a milestone deadline. When you've accumulated certain amounts, six months after your job starts, six, you know, that type of thing. So either way, the key thing is, and this is the key, you have to be firm. You have to like put a big X on the, on the calendar, tell them to put it into their mobile phone. This is the date. So they know it's, it's like coming. like Christmas coming. Because it's so, they suddenly forget. Yeah. What? I don't remember that. Yeah. What do you mean I got to go in at the end of the month? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I still don't have a place. <laughs> That's right. I didn't start looking, actually. <laughs> so uh, setting that move-out deadline, whether it's a time deadline or a milestone deadline, is key. But how often is it that the parents want them to stay? Well, they not, don't, they're see, not really pushing them out. Don't, or parent. don't go down that path, Well, Scott. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. go down that path. I remember I remember boomeranging back because I thought my parents were going away for the winter and then they kept hanging around. <laughs> oh, it's deal, so nice at your home. And the whole deal was I would paint the house while they were away. And then it's January. They haven't left yet. It's like, are you guys going? Because if you're not going, I'm going to get an apartment. Yeah. And, and honestly, yeah. I think they yeah. just got used to having me around again. Quite they're, often you'll see one pair not on the same page as the other pair. <laughs> sure, and, sure. Uh, that always makes it Kick more. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. The favorite always stays longer. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, whoever lived there longest yeah. was the favorite probably. Yeah. Uh, number three is shutting down the parental ATM. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you, you're not doing your children any favor, your adult children any favor by being a cash mach- machine. They, they've got to pay their own way. That's the only way they're going to learn the real life. The cost of real life yeah. is by paying it for themselves. Um, if, if it's a, and, you know, there's so many areas this can really get gray for, on you, right? So your your child has uh, their vehicle breaks down, mm-hmm. which is critical for their job, yeah. getting back and forth. Mom and dad, I need $800 for a car repair. Make it the form, make it in the form of a loan yeah. and you have to establish it on paper and you have to establish a repayment structure right away. There is no, here's 800, you know, oh, you'll work it off or something like that. Uh, And this, again, is with your adult children, adult children. Um, Pay to stay, pay to stay. You got to pay to stay, right? And again, a time frame might be the first two months you get back from school or you get your job, you know, to accumulate first and last month's rent or whatever it might be. But then you're going to start paying rent to us. Mm -hmm. Or uh, they could be for, they could uh, pay for the grocery bill. Mm -hmm. They could pay for utilities. They could pay just a straight out rent. But sharing, showing them what it costs, sharing that those bills and Mm -hmm. then asking them to contribute to them, pay to stay. Now, one idea I've had some parents do is they are paying to stay or board, if you will. Yeah. And they've taken that money and they've set that aside, mm-hmm. not telling them. And it could be like a wedding fund. Yeah. Or something. A wedding fund or a house fund. Sure. Or if they still say, well, I really don't have enough money to 
um, leave. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny you say that because I have been putting <laughs> I got away. A stack right First here. and last is right here. <laughs> <laughs> I have this extra cash, it seems. <laughs> and I have just put this onto an apartment not far from here. And what I think a you'll like it. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we've saved so much, you can have the house we're leaving. <laughs> oh, no. Pay to stay, pay to stay. That, that's a, I think that's an important one. Mm -hmm. And uh, the next one is lower the comfort level. Lower the comfort level. It <laughs> wow. doesn't mean you have to turn down the heat to 58, but uh, you know, that means you know, you're not cleaning their room, you're not doing their laundry, you're not making dental and doctor appointments for yeah, them. Yeah, you yeah. gotta you gotta pull back from that stuff and it has to be their game, their show, right? Mm -hmm. well, what about, you know, the parents? They still want to watch the 60-inch TV and, you know, the movie network or the sports Yeah, they kind of, by default, I guess they'd get access to that yeah. stuff, right? You could give them a little cathode ray tube for the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. An old big box. Yeah. Rent's only for the room. You'll have to go back inside. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, next one is consider transitional accommodation. Transitional accommodation. So it's so From the harder. house to the garage? Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> Uh, wasn't going that direction, Jen, but if you're, you know what, as parents, we tend to be a bit soft and it's hard sometimes to be firm. Yeah. So an option could be, um, you know, Aunt Mary or Uncle George, you, why don't you go live with them? They're at, maybe they're closer to where your job sure, is, for yeah. example. And now living in somebody else's home, they're, they really feel like they are a tenant, yeah. not, it's not their place. And they're going to act like a tenant. They're going to act like a guest yeah. and be more responsible. And they know they have to pay that person, mm. right? If they have to pay them rent, the, the check's going to get written or the yeah. cash is going to be given. It's not like, oh, come on, can I get you next month kind mm -hmm. of thing. So a, a transitional accommodation. And, uh, and then the other one would be, you know, basically just knowing when to say no. And it's, um, you know, it, it's not easy, you know, can you sign? Oh, so... Basically, this is an example would be co-signing a loan, mm -hmm. you know, or looking after my um, uh, apartment rent first and last, or can you co-sign on an apartment lease? Uh, and really what happens is that you are now on the hook for yeah. these debts and these obligations, and, and you could find yourself in a... a an uncomfortable situation now mm. where the default happens and suddenly you're getting your credit score affected. You're getting calls yeah. from a collection agency to make good on these debts. And, um, you know, and I think as finally is, I mean, your kids, we've all do our best to raise our kids. And I think when you t think about an investment, that investment in itself, as you see your kids reach success, whether financial success, their career success, their family life success, that's your big investment. Yeah, and that's something point. to remember that you've accomplished an amazing goal by doing that, leaving a legacy or leaving an inheritance or something like that. And it's cost you a lot. You put in it's a lot of money lot. into this investment. Don't be so <laughs> focused on leaving legacies and inheritance mm -hmm. because you've made them successful yeah. already yeah. and that was the key to their future. Yeah, and good it's, point. And it's interesting because you are the average uh, spending to raise a kid to age 18 is about $230,000. Yikes. Okay. <clears throat> so that's one heck of an investment. Yeah. And if you've got three kids, call it three quarters of a million dollars. Wow. Okay. So it isn't cheap. And, but that's, the, it is since, you know, you're, you're teaching them how to fish rather than giving them the fish. That's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Now there's one sure-fired way to get a kid to slowly use out of the house. And I actually think they might start running out of the house is you just don't give them the Wi-Fi password. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Those data right. plans are, yeah. are yeah, they'll, they'll rip through that so fast. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually a good way to contribute. You cover all the uh, cable and computer and all that sort of stuff. You, call, you cover all the digital yeah. expenses. Yeah. 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 That, that, that would do sure. it, too. Yeah. But, uh, you know, while we're talking about kids, it's actually interesting how many kids are now going to uh, private schools. Mm-hmm. And it's in, in Canada, enrollment has risen in, for private schools. And this is like, you know, kindergarten up to yeah. grade 12. Has risen by 17%. Okay. Wow. And on the other hand, public schools enrollments decreased by eight. So there's this trend of moving, you know, people out of the public system over to the private system. And it's not cheap. No. It's extremely expensive. In fact, Private school tuition and boarding fees range from thirty thousand to sixty thousand dollars per year. It's like a lifetime of university. Oh, and hmm. university is cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. by yeah. far. Yeah. You actually can't wait for them to get to university. <laughs> it's only gonna be twenty grand <laughs> a year. That's yeah. cheaper. Yeah, really. <laughs> and in fact the ones in larger schools have higher end of the price range. Faith based schools, religious schools if you will, have lower fees. Um, and less likely, and, and you also pay a little less as you're in the lower grades. Say grade mm-hmm. ones, you'll pay a lot less than say grade ten. And so that's another part of the, call it the investment that we put towards the kids. Mm-hmm. Is there any sort of tax write-off for doing that? Or because you already pay that through property taxes, that's just out-of-pocket money? It is, is out-of-pocket. Now, some of the faith-based programs do provide a charitable uh, component of that, right. a charitable receipt mm-hmm. for part of the tuition, mm-hmm. which does help offset some of the costs. Right. But uh, for a straight, as far as a straight, you know, Hillfield, Strathallen, or yeah. this concept, full then it's, it's full freight. Yeah. yeah. And they, I know they tried to pass that, um, the Ontario conservative years ago mm-hmm. and uh, well, even, are even giving credits giving credits for yeah. private school credit, yeah. mm-hmm. but it didn't go over well that you're no. you know, basically helping out the wealthy yeah and it is a luxury item and look what's happening it's already enrollment's already up in it, private school so imagine if you did that what would happen oh it, yeah exactly you see a lot of Montessori programs where mm-hmm. a, a lot of parents at all stratas of income will get their kids started and established yeah. in a Montessori whether they can continue the private programs yeah. beyond you know through kindergarten up into the grade school I don't sure. It's, mm. it's a lot more money. If there's ever an uh, instance of why you need a financial planner, is to work out this. Yeah. Okay. This is an extremely long-term tuition, and how is it going to impact your own retirement? Can you retire? Can you afford it? I have seen um, parents, you know, no problem, afford it. It worked out great. On the other hand, I've seen very wealthy people. They've had to downsize their house and they weren't going to get the kids out of that school because once they're in, it's hard to get them yeah. out because all their friends are there. Yeah. So it's a very big decision and you really should speak to your financial planner yeah. and, and base it on you know monetary. It's lifestyle change. It's lifestyle and it's not an emotional decision. It has yeah. to also be a financial decision. And yeah, definitely Andy and I would be more than happy to kind of plan that out. We are planning your we financial, are planning your future. financial Andy future. Andy Lister and Don Fox, Fox are here from, here from Investors Group Financial, financial Services, Services, Inc. You can call 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out the website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Going to talk about paying off debt here. Yeah. And this is always a, this is one of those moments where we get to engage Scott's insight into, oh, nice. uh, into how much he's been paying attention over the years. Oh, you, you might all want to turn <laughs> off your radio now. <laughs> and so I have, I have a list here of four debts. Mm-hmm. So one of our young adults that we've been talking about that we're trying to kick out of the house uh, has four debts that they are considering and they're wondering which one should I pay off first? Mm-hmm. So number one is an $11,000 credit card debt mm-hmm. and the interest rate on that is 21%. 
Number two is a $4,000 student loan, which is interest rate of 7%. Number three is an $18,000 car loan at 0% financing. And number four is a $1,500 overdraft at 12% on their bank account. Now, question, which one should they focus on paying off first? Number one, the credit card. Number two, the student loan. Number three, the car loan. Or number four, the overdraft. I would start with the highest rate of interest and then go from there. So the credit card, then down from there. Yeah. So, and this is the normal approach in the sense that you're trying to get the biggest bang for your buck, Mm -hmm. right? How can I save myself the most money? How can I get more on top of my finances? Financially. Financially, it makes absolutely the most Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem. Emotionally, there is no payback emotionally to paying off an $11,000, chipping away at an $11,000 credit card. Mm -hmm. And statistic, we've actually, there's a study that was out of the US by Fidelity Investments that actually found the most successful strategy for getting rid of your debts is to quickly pay off one, the smallest one, so that you feel a sense of accomplishment. Right. So the, the, the answer was that the most successful strategy has been to pay off the $1,500 overdraft at 12%, which was still a relatively high mm-hmm. interest rate. But by getting that to zero, you now have a sense, you know what, I've knocked one off and now I can carry on to the next one. And and so that psychological boost... And that was a line of credit. Sorry, what was the 12%? That, the 12% was an overdraft. Oh, an overdraft, right. Yeah, yeah. an overdraft. Only $1,500. So right. maybe over the course of a month or two or three months, suddenly that one's done. And you... Then they can go back into the overdraft to pay off the credit cards. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> oh, now you're playing devil's advocate. <laughs> Instead, but again, the study tells us that when we look at this, the strategy around paying down debt, the normal strategy has been take the highest interest one first. Mm-hmm. Or you imagine if you're saying, I'm going to get my bit the biggest one, which is maybe my mortgage. Mm-hmm. And now you start adding an extra 400 a month or 500 a month to your mortgage payment. How long is it going to take to before you get rid of your mortgage? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no, there's no positive feedback yeah. because you're chipping away at it for the next 10 years yeah, right. and you never see any sense of accomplishment because yeah, the number gets smaller over time, but your payment doesn't change. Mm-hmm. You don't actually have any flexibility. You're, you're still paying the exact same things. Mm-hmm. So, um, and debt, debt structuring or repayment of debt, um, the key thing again is to automate it. You, and another strategy we've talked about is uh, every once in a while you get a windfall. Mm-hmm. A windfall might be a bonus from work. A windfall might be a tax refund. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in all cases, always allocate something, some portion of it towards repaying your debt. So whether that's now we can talk about, you might be able to wipe out a small debt. You might be able to uh, take a chunk off the credit card. You might be able to pay off a piece of line of credit. But the point is always taking those windfalls to be able to minimize your debt over time. Uh, We know on mortgage debt, there's always opportunities to double up your payment. You can pay 10 to 15% of your your principal every year. You can, um, on anniversaries, you can, uh, on the anniversary of the mortgage, you can pay off as much as you want without penalty. So mortgages are something that... um, um, I found a lot of people today are ignoring because their house prices have been going up faster and the interest rates are so low. Are so low. Why bother Why yeah. bother paying off my mortgage because it's so low and my house is growing faster? Um, 
that phenomena, unfortunately, the, the danger in that is as you come to retirement, yeah. you're mm-hmm. still sitting there with a debt potentially. Yeah. Um, I was just talking to a, a client uh, whose children, they were buying a home in the Oakville area. They're going to have an $800,000 mortgage. Mm. You know, like what wow. kind of, <laughs> yeah. this is this is the reality of buying a home today. And, you know, that number is staggering compared mm-hmm. to what we would normally yeah. think about in terms that of the debt. That was probably with 25% <clears throat> down. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you're mm-hmm. still, they have good jobs, which hopefully carries on because any if they lose a job, yeah. then they're really in a, in a pickle. Yeah. Um, so debt management continues to be a huge part of what we do on a regular basis, understanding how to pay it off, creating milestones and goals in terms of paying off that debt, and cl- and clearly with an ultimate goal of being debt-free at retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, one idea also, if you're in Andy's situation there, what he's talking about paying off the um, overdraft first. Well, let's say you had a regular payment of $200 a month going to that. Well, you paid it off in a short period of time. Why not take 100 So now you've got this extra $200. Mm-hmm. Okay, good for you. You've Now, now you've got this extra 200 that you used to go to debt. Well, now, of course, you could go all towards a credit card, which isn't a bad idea because that's such a high interest paying debt. Yeah. So that normally would be the case. But you could also say, okay, I'm going to take 100 of that 200, I'm going to put it towards, say, RSPs. Mm-hmm. And at least I know I'm going to start saving. So now you're yeah. building up the other side of your balance sheet yeah. because it's hard to start with zero yeah. on the asset side. Yeah. And they'll take the other 100 and start paying down the credit card. And you're also going to get a bit of a tax refund come a year later that mm-hmm. will also help. Yeah. So again, I, I totally agree with Andy, trying to get that, that first small debt out of the way because all these little debts, and this part of the idea of consolidating is to kind of make that a smaller nut but just because you're good at paying down debt doesn't mean you're necessarily saving money once it's paid off. Free up that cash flow, yes. yeah. but then use it to your advantage yeah. afterwards. Exactly. Good point. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message. They will get back to you. 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Financial travel tips? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's not just about saving money, paying off debts. We've got to have some fun, too. Sure. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm training my son right now. He's just becoming my uh, one of my associates, joining the Fox team. Cool. And, yeah, it's quite fun. And he <laughs> So must... is he the same vocation? He's the same yeah. training as you? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. wow. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's interesting. He must come back from these training appointments where he's shadowing me and say, you know, you hardly talked about, you know, saving this. Well, a lot of that's already been done. We've had, you know, 20-year relationships with a lot of our clients. Mm-hmm. Now it's at the other end. What do we do with your money? Mm-hmm. Okay, how do we have some fun with this? We built it up, and you are now financially independent. <coughs> Accomplish your financial goals. Let's have some fun. Can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. And you know what? I always say when I, we, we've seen people, I know you said off air, Scott, is we see some people as they get older and mm-hmm. then retire and then into a nursing home. Yeah. And it's interesting. You end up with your favorite chair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe a small piece of furniture mm-hmm. and a whole ton of pictures. Yeah. And a whole bunch of time to look at those pictures. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And <clears throat> why not create some good pictures? Because those memories are going to mean a lot to good you at point. the end. Yeah. And this is where we have to take this and and says, so where are some good places to go? So I was looking at Money Magazine and and uh, they gave some travel 2017 and what they do they take 1500 data points and try to find the best combination of quality, cost, Hmm. and value. 
Cool. Very cool. And number one place, which I did not know this place existed. I know the place exists, but I didn't know a lot of history about it. First of all, it's the oldest place, oldest city in North America. What would that be? Halifax? Uh, nope. It's oh, in the US. Charleston. Nope. It's, it's got to be the East Coast. Oh. I thought so, too. I thought it'd be like Boston or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's actually uh, the Spaniards settled there uh-huh. in 1565, St. Augustine, Florida. St. Augustine, Florida. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. And also turns out to be the number one travel destination from Money Magazine. And it would cost about $2,500 for one week there for two people. Hmm. Wait a minute. The the Newfoundland government always advertises the Vikings. Yeah, that's right. And all those nicely painted houses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing there except nicely painted right. houses. This is a U.S. magazine. Saint yeah. Augustine. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay, we're on. Because yeah. I think Vikings <laughs> should have won that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but number uh, number two, um, a different spot is Estes E S T E S Park, Colorado. Mm. Oh, fantastic for uh, hiking, mountain biking. Great. You know, mountains. Yeah. Skiing is yeah. also nearby. And it's... Uh, Coors Banquet. It's from yeah. Colorado. Yeah, it's from mm. Colorado. You're Just right. Just thought I'd throw that yeah, in there for you. Yeah, see, uh, you got to have those mountains blue, Scott. It was That's one right. of those 1,500 points that they were analyzing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was one of the other data points. Yes. <laughs> Easy <laughs> access to Coors. <laughs> <laughs> and again, cost-wise, at $2,700. Hmm. Okay. Number three. And this is neat that they've gone th- right across the U.S. Number three, Bar Harbor, Maine. Mm. And I Been was there. I was there. I Been was there, there also. Done what a that. great spot. Lobster, scenery, mm-hmm. parks, ocean, whale watching, tons to do. Great Acadia people. National Park. And yes. high value. Yep. High value. No wonder you guys were there. <laughs> <laughs> $2,900 for a week for two people. There you go. Okay. And that's based on a decent hotel. Everything. That's, that's not on the cheap, cheap. That's not like university kind of pricing, right? Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, number four, which I was there just last year with the family. The great big state of Texas, Ah. Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah. And $2,300. Very inexpensive there. Wow. Relative to some of the others. And everything's big. Everything's big. Mm -hmm. In fact, they have this uh, stockyards area, which is all Wild West kind of setup and uh, very touristy. Kind of neat though. And just a neat spot. In fact, uh, Austin, Texas, I actually thought was one of my favorites. Yeah, it's supposed to be a great city. Fantastic. I would actually. Big music scene and everything there. Great food, great music, great vibe. Everything's great. That's my. And uh, I'm a big cyclist too, and they Mm -hmm. have um, a lot of cycling. Cyclist there uh, with Lance Armstrong um, starting from there originally. Okay. So he kind of developed it. And then last on this top five list for US, or actually, yeah, it's all US, is Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hmm. Hmm. They got this thing called the Balloon Fest. I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Thousands of these hot air balloons. Yeah. And the whole sky is colored in these things. And it's absolutely inexpensive at $2,200 a week. Mm -hmm. Climate can't be too bad there either, I'm sure. It's perfect for that because it's very dry. So they go up fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's like Calgary. So that was the top five in the U.S. Okay. So they said, well, that's the U.S. Let's say, and, and it's actually interesting. There's so much to see just close to us. Mm-hmm. Never mind going to Canada if you want to save the exchange. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's lots of places in Canada. This is a U.S. magazine though. And some interesting ones that maybe you know, some of the listeners haven't thought about. But on the international side, and these, they do this every year. So, you know, they change their spots every year where they, where they, uh, who gets the number one rating. Well, number one this year in international was Hanoi, Vietnam. Ah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I know a few people that have been there. Yeah. 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 And again, don't even think of that. That doesn't even come to my mind. I'm it's South Asian wise. culture. Yeah. 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 But this is all, again, taken into account safety mm-hmm. and everything else, cleanliness. Yes. 2600 bucks for a week there. Mm-hmm. Bali, Indonesia. 
is number two. Again, 26, wow. very inexpensive. There's been a decrease in pricing there lately. Mm-hmm. So it's it's ripped up through the ranks and it's actually a very popular place now. Crete, Greece. Yep. Mm-hmm. 3650 bucks. Been there? I've never been there. And mm-hmm. can you say it's worth the travels? It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I hear it's yeah. nice. Yeah, I'd love to get there someday. Cu- uh, Cusco, Peru. Cusco, yeah. yeah. Never been, I haven't heard of it, never, no. but I can't say it. So it's uh, $3,005. Again, a neat spot to go to. In fact, my daughter just looked yesterday and was just happening to try and find, you know, a different price for flights. It was like $681 for a flight to Peru. Wow. wow. <laughs> I can't nice. fly really? out west yeah. in yeah. Canada exactly. for that. Yeah. No. <clears throat> and last on the list, which is not the cheapest, but one of the most popular, but it makes it on all these data points, Paris, France. Sure. Yeah, $3,900. Yeah, $3,900 to go. So it's not cheap, but... The city of love. It's a beautiful city. Yeah, there you go. All right, we have been planning your financial future and your honeymoon as well. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message at 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Scott. Take care.